Warning. We interrupt this presentation with the following urgent message regarding the stuff. If you see it in stores, call the police. If you have it in your home, don't touch it. Get out. The stuff is a product of nature, a deadly living organism. It is addictive and destructive. It can overcome your mind and take over your body. And nothing can stop it. Are you prepared to say on the air that you've actually seen people devoured by the stuff? Tonight, America is in grave danger. It's gonna kill you! It's gonna kill you all! Welcome to Here's Johnny's R Reviews, a movie review podcast that will slice or dice, praise or hype a movie, or pay for hype or a movie, even God. Each and every month, there's a theme. Since it's March, I'm doing a B-Movie March Madness, which is my look at Evil Dead 3, aka Army of Darkness, Chud 2, Abud the Chud, Return of the Killer Tomatoes, a mystery movie, as of writing this it is. By the way, you still have a few days left to vote on it, check my Twitter. And today's movie, The Stuff, brought to us by legendary, uh, I can't fucking speak, legendary schlock director Larry Cohen, who brought to us It's Alive Movies. This movie is about the excesses of 80s America. Cannot they live? Check my archives. And consumerism up the wazoo. Hmm. In this movie, it's fast food, except the food is eating you. Because, you know, if you find strange white goo come out from the earth, you package it, slap a label on it, and start making money. The American dream. Is this the ultimate B-movie, or just a ripoff of The Blob? I find out here. With its $1.7 million budget, brought to us by New World Pictures, this thing pulled in an unknown amount, as I can't find anything anywhere about how much money this made online. Maybe the world wasn't ready for a heavy-handed look at the worries of letting corporate America run wild and sending out unsafe products. Mm, much like the drug companies often do. <clears throat> anyway, on to the movie itself, starring Michael Moriarty, Andrea Markovacini, if that's pronounced her name, I have no idea fuck how it's pronounced, don't write. Ma- uh, Garrett Morris, Scott Bloom, Paul Savino, and Danny Ayo, directed by Larry Cohen. Cohen, even, or whatever. The plot, the Earth fights back against mankind using a mysterious white goo. That is all natural ingredients, tastes great, and helps you lose weight. What can go wrong? Well, how about it's eating you from inside and controlling you? Hmm, what can be done to stop this stuff? Somebody opens up on an old man at a snowy mine. Uh, finding strange white goo on the ground, so of course he eats it. What the fuck? Didn't your mother ever tell you never eat something on the, off the ground? Uh. Also, who finds white goo on the floor and eats it? Leave it, you dirty, dirty lot. Mm-hmm. I'm watching you. Mm-hmm. He, his friend, comes over and tries it too. And note, this scene wasn't supposed to be snowing. However, Cohen 
couldn't pass up the chance of having real snow, as they find a strange white sticky goo. Leave it. So, he filmed it even though the cameras weren't waterproofed and they indeed all blew the fuck up because this guy sounds like a fucking cokehead moron. Moving on to our introduction to our hero, Jason, played by Scott Bloom, of Who's the Boss, John Q, and Smoking Aces. And this little boy gives me the fucking creeps with his strange blue-green eyes and wild overacting. Plus, his eyes are never huge in this. He's like a fucking owl. Oh dear, oh dear. He's waking from his sleep at 3am, being eaten alive by mosquitoes. So he goes up to close the window and goes downstairs for a late night snack. It's here he first sees the stuff moving around the fridge all by its lonesome. His father, played by Robert Telfer, uh, sends him back to bed, not listening to his story about the moving yoghurt. Because why would you? I mean, he's what, 12? Why the hell would you listen to a 12 year old running on and on and on about moving yoghurt? Hmm, get in. Once his son's tucked back into bed, does the father dig into a huge tub of the stuff? Cut to one of the many, many TV adverts for the stuff spliced out this bloody well movie of a woman wearing a fur coat for some reason, telling us the stuff is better than ice cream. Also, enough is never enough. Have the stuff. Uh, take that, greedy billionaire Americans and whatever. <clears throat> Note Larry Cohen wanted these adverts played on TV months before the movie was released. Then he wanted to sell this stuff at movie theatres, but the studio says nope, as somebody would actually sue if they got sick from ice cream, thinking the stuff was actually real. Cut to a harbour and a speedboat speeding to a private yacht. Note the spe speedboat almost sunk due to the weight of the cameras mounted on it uh, to film the scene. It just about made it to the boat and sunk to the bottom of the bloody old harbour. Here is introduction to Mo Rutherford. David Mo Rutherford, that is. Played by Michael Moriarty of Q, the Winged Beast. Pale Rider, Troll, It's Alive Free, Return to Salem's Lot, and Law and Order. Why is he called Mo? Because every time he he gets something, I always want more. Oh, God, that line's terrible. <clears throat> and note, he wouldn't stick to the script and would improv. In fact, he changed his lines so much so, I'm surprised he wasn't. Uh, such as the Mo line. I'm surprised he's actually credited as one of the fucking writers. I think it's about 80% of the script he actually made up on the spot. He's taken to meet nervous millionaires who own other junk food outlets and ice cream parlours. He's told to spy on the stuff makers to find out what's inside it, what is the secret of the stuff. And note, Moriarty's hair here is a wig due to him having his hair cut for Q the Serpent. That's why it looks so fucking odd and out of place. Mo asks them, why not go to the FDA to get them closed down? With one of the billionaires saying, after it was approved, everyone that touched the stuff retired or went on holiday or just died. Strange that. I'm guessing they're all fucking dead due to the stuff. Here he asks one of the shady businessmen why he called him obscene, then pulls a bug out of his pocket. So the millionaire says, I don't think you're as dumb as you think you are with Mose. No one is as dumb as I appear, appear to be. Funny. And I've got to say, I actually like that line. No one is as dumb as I appear to be. I mean, it's a great line. Back to Jason and his weird-ass family. By the way, what is it with the 80s movies and making kids the fucking heroes? For crying out loud. As the mother, uh, played by Claudette Bowling. Uh, Bowling? 
Boinger, oh, I've fucking pronounced her fucking name, sends her oldest son, played by Brian Bloom. Yes, folks, he's Scott Bloom's older brother, upstairs to get Jason down for breakfast. He comes down complaining of an upset stomach. His father says he isn't, he's going to school no matter what, as he's already missed three days of school. Ooh, truancy in his family then. Lovely. Wait, so if people are complaining of upset stomachs, then how does it get past the FDA? FDA, rather. And also, why the fuck would you continue to eat it if it's going to give you a sore stomach? His mother tells him to eat some stuff, but he doesn't want to eat it. He then tells him it moves all around on its own lonesome in the middle of the night. They don't believe him, so he knocks the stuff tub out of her hands and runs away. The mother cleans the stuff off the kitchen cabinet with ease, saying it doesn't even spot. It's amazing. It's low calorie, great tasting, and doesn't even spot. What is this stuff? You did see Note, the actors were eating. Uh, when the actors were eating the stuff, rather, it was either Hargandas ice cream, yogurt, whipped cream, or in some extreme cases, shaving foam. The rest of the time, it was fire extinguisher foam, a liquid concrete, shaving foam, as it says, and a disgusting goo made from fish guts, but more on that later. Cut to a lab with multiple petri dishes with the stuff in it. In the lab, more questions, some lab coat about what the stuff actually is. With the lab coat saying they have no idea, and he has no idea why the FDA actually approved this thing, as there is no structure to this, structure to this thing at all. Until some unnamed stuff employee uh, butts in, it's protected by the FDA the same way Coca-Cola's secret formula is. Yeah, because up until 1970s, Coca-Cola actually had cocaine in it, which is why it was so bloody well popular and so fucking addictive. I got to question yourself here. Why is Coca-Cola such a good cleaner of metals and sink drains? Just what exactly is in these cans and what the fuck does it do to our guts? Cue another advert for the stuff, this time getting filmed as two models dressed in swimsuits and white fur coats prance on a catwalk while eating the stuff. What? Here is an introduction to Nicole, played by Andrea Barcavinci, I think that's pronounced her name, of The Hand, Airport 76, which was actually the script um, used um, in Aeroplane, Taxi, and Velvet Buzzsaw. She's our heroine of the film. She's the TV director, advert director that is, for the stuff ads, and she runs a PR company, or rather wants to run a PR company, but more not later. Note, she hated working with Moriarty, as he wouldn't stick to the script and would go off on weird tangents, leaving her confused and in his dust. Mo walks in to drop the shoot and pulls Nicole away, giving her his business card, claiming to be working for a petroleum company, and he's a multi-millionaire. He wants to hire her to do PR for his company. He then tells her he plans on buying a DPR company she works for and putting her large and in charge. She asks where he's staying and if it has room service. Really love. You just met a guy, he blows smoke up your arse and you want to bed him. Wow. Cut to the market where everyone is buying the stuff. Uh, Jason walks in seeing everyone buying it and eating it. He trashes all the stuff products which are weirdly on the shelves and in the freezers. What the fuck? I love the reaction to the people in the supermarket because... Because something tells me Cohane didn't actually get permission to film this, or he just let people go about their business and wanted real reactions. By the way, that is the movie's producer, manhandling Scott Bloom, as he's rubby tackled to the fucking floor. Because, yeah, because you're going to have a full grown man rubber tacking a 10 year old boy, or 12 year old as he was. <laughs> Weird cut to Mo as he interviews an FDA agent. 
uh, Vickers, played by Danny Aiello of Godfather 2, Jacob's Ladder, Hudson Hawk, Lucky Number Slivin, and he was the papper in Madonna's A Papa Don't Preach. Mo asks him how long he's worked for the FDA, with Vickers saying for 19 years, and he'll be retiring soon. All the while, his huge ass dog is growling and snarling him to keep quiet. Vickers then says the stuff. Uh, being a dessert, wasn't tested thoroughly as drugs were, therefore it sailed past the tests. Okay then, something worrying about American foods there then, if they're that easily past the FDA. Hmm. Moving on, Mo asked more questions uh, about Vickers' uh, dog as it becomes more and more aggressive, Vickers even backs away from it when it comes in for a quick petting. More questions, Vicker, Vickers. Even more, uh, adding, Vickers isn't a chemist, he's an administrator, so how the fuck did he get the stuff past the FDA? So Vickers tells him he'll give him all the names of the scientists that worked on this stuff. However, Mo points out they're all dead. So Vickers tells Mo he'll hand over all his research, practically running out the room, to his upstairs office, leaving Mo all alone with the extremely ticked-off dog. Mo walks to the kitchen to find food for the dog, Ben, and here he finds he has stacks and stacks and stacks of this stuff all over the kitchen. Vickers hands over the documents and Mo leaves. The dog chases Vickers around the home, killing him as the stuff forces its way out of the dog's disjointed jaw to kill Vickers. And I love the fact the dummy dog is attacking and has an aggressive look on its face, where the real dog is clearly licking the actor's face and wagging its tail. Not would if it's all had its tail. Later at night, outside a stuff drive through does Mo watch teenagers filling their faces with the stuff. And this is at 2.30 in the morning, by the by. Doesn't drive through shut in America? Hmm. By the way, that is a terrible name for fucking yogurt. Who in hell come up with that one? How long did it take the stuff? I mean, dear, oh dear. Next morning, Mo is in a rundown ghost town, Stader, Virginia. Uh, where the owner of the one store in town keeps asking Mo if he would like to use his toilets and wash his hands. Okay. He also states he's all alone in this town. Up pulls an old dusty Jaguar Mark II. As Mo walks up to it, the store clerk runs for it into the woods. Kidding. Mo reaches uh, the Jag and he is attacked by Chocolate Chip Charlie, played by Garrett Morris of SNL. Coneheads, Two Broke Girls, and Ant-Man. And this fight scene is goddamn ridiculous. As Charlie leaps over the jag, drop-kicking Mo, he then misses a flying punch, punching the ground, which cracks his hand open. Well, broke his knuckles anyway. Mo then uses this chance to mount him and punch him out. What the f... Note, Garrett Morris, Garrett Morris hated working for Cohen. When asked what it was like, he said, quote, I thought... I was taught, if you can't say anything nice about something, don't say anything at all, enough said. I'm guessing he wasn't a fan of the improv either, which is weird because he was on SNL, so. Also note, Chocolate Chip Charlie is a nod to famous Amos, whoever the hell he is. Charlie bitches and moans to Mo how he was thrown out of his own company and lost absolutely everything. Then they both decide to check out the post office for reasons, finding out all the mail is forwarded to Georgia. Mo then sends a postmaster off to have lunch. Wait, what? By the way, this postmaster is James Dixon of It's Alive Movies and multiple other Larry Cohen movies. 
The postmaster then excuses himself. After the stomach growls, this gives Charlie and Mo time to come up with a plan to kidnap him. Too bad he dies in the back as the stuff leaks out of him. So Mo and Charlie chase after it, only to be chased down by stuff. What are they called again? Stuffy? Stufflings? The hell they're called? Zombie-like people. Uh, that are killed easily with one punch, as basically the stuff is eating them from inside out. Mo and Charlie escape by a robot? Karen. Cut to a diner, and Mo and Charlie have coffee. What the, the actual fuck movie? You can't go from a <clears throat> exciting chase scene to them sitting in a coffee diner. What in the, uh, the editing? God. Mo asks for the stuff, but everyone stops giving and turns to him giving him the bug eyes look. So Mo tells Shower to go to DC to see FBI agent Frank Herbert and note. In reality, Frank Herbert is a cipher writer behind Dune and its many, many other books. The waitress overhears this and goes to the back into the freezer to tell the stuff. Days later, and cut to a badly superimposed poster for the stuff. On outside building as Mo is crossing the road in New York, where he's nearly run over by a stuff employee driving a stuff ice cream van. Uh, what are you on, Barbie movie? Are you on every single ounce of coke the 80s had? I mean, one minute you're sitting in a cafe talking about how you need to go to the feds because the feds won't believe more because Mo's an ex-fed and blah, 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 blah. Next minute, you are in New York as he's going to run over by a fucking car or a truck, rather. Then, before that, you're in somewhere in Virginia. What in the actual fuck movie? Pick a fucking storyline and go with it. Cut to Mo meeting this stuff bigwig who mumbles his lines so badly even with subtitles they make no fucking sense something about how he runs a company but doesn't eat the stuff or know what stuff actually is then claiming state of virginia was a testing ground uh, the bigwig then threatens more of the case uh which more than just laughs off and then he threatens sort of more threatens him until he hands over $25,000 in $1,000 bills and offers him a job? Wait, what? Who the f- <sighs> Moving on to a meeting with Mo and Nicole in a New York street, where Mo confesses to her he's not an oil millionaire, but an industrial spy. Seconds later, they're in a lab. Did I miss something here? How the fuck did it go from him telling her he isn't stinking rich and won't be buying her peer company to walking to a lab? Is there a missing scene here? I mean... In a lab, a doctor hands Mo a newspaper with an article on Jason trashing the store the previous day. Wait, the previous day? Is that making fucking sense, movie? All this shit will happen to Mo is supposed to be one day ago. Yeah, it's been at least three... Oh, fuck this movie. Oh my god. Cut to another cheese-tastic stuff advert of 20-somethings playing basketball while dancing. This advert is 80s overload. Leg warmers, check. Huge hair, check. Graffiti, check. Weird bisexual vibe, check. Awful earworm theme song, check. It's the 80s in a nutshell. For fuck's sake, only uses Aquafina to keep the fucking shit. Aquafina. Aquanet to keep the fucking hair up. I'm crying out loud. Mm. On to Jason, who's now locked in his room, as his parents stare menacingly at the ceiling. He's being starved until he eats the stuff. As the camera pans the kitchen, we see all the other foods have been binned, and the fridge is stacked full of the stuff. 
these pedants try to talk Jason into eating the stuff, but they're talking like they're in an advert. It all seems forced and highly unnatural. Jason makes a run for it, but his older brother catches him, forcing him back inside, where the pair try to force him to eat the stuff, telling him he has everything he's ever wanted, but to be able to stay a member of this family, he must eat the stuff. So upstairs, Jason goes with a small tub, and wouldn't the parents, oh, I don't know, stand over him watching eat that fucking thing, you bloody morons. Jason tries to flush it, but the stuff fights back until it's actually flushed. Jason comes up with an idea of using shaving foam to trick his parents into thinking he's eating the actual stuff. This works until Jason feels sick. Putting down the tub, he runs out the back door. With the family giving chase, Jason runs into Mo, who tells him to get in as he has seen the stuff moving and get inside his car. Where the fuck did Mo get a car from? And also, I'll get back to that in a second. As the two speed off in the rented car. Handy that movie. What's that called again? Oh yeah, bad fucking writing. Uh, hasn't Jason ever heard of a stranger danger? I mean, uh, and here is the immortal line, quote, Everyone has to eat shaving cream once in a while. Wait, what? Maybe? And uh, the fuck? Moving on, Mo drives him to an airport, where Nicole questions Mo as where the hell he got Jason from. They all board the private jet to Georgia. In Georgia, they, uh, they're picked up by the stuff employees in a stuff branded limo. Just go with it, I mean. They're driven to the stuff factory, which is a mine. Jason is left asleep on the plane as the pilot is killed by the stuff. It's the stuff, rather. It starts to fill the plane up. So Jason runs for it to a cave in the woods. Wait, what? As back in the factory, which... I'm getting Halloween free vibes from, Mo and Nicole are given the two-bit tour. Here we see hundreds of empty tubs being filled with this stuff. And note, Larry Cohen actually has all these hundreds, if not thousands of tubs, which he gets away at conventions, all signed, but of course. Jason makes his way to the abandoned mine, where he's almost caught by an 18-wheeler uh, gas truck, so Jason hides in it. Because of course he would. I mean, why wouldn't you hide in a bloody huge 18 wheeler truck? Well, the back anyway, the gas part of it anyway, you know what I mean? The, oh, whatever. After the guided tour, Mo and Nicole are driven back to a motel in this stuff controlled town. Again, how very Halloween 3. How very Silver Shamrock of this movie. Mm. Now in bed, Mo looks over pictures he took of the factory earlier as Nicole sleeps. Cue another stuff advert with. Where's the beef lady on except here? She says, where's the stuff? She got $25,000 for five words. Four words, even? Yeah, four words. She says, oh, is it awful or something like that? Where's the stuff? I mean, <sighs> later at night, Mo's attacked by the stuff as it oozes out from under his pillow. It then wraps itself around his face uh, and panicking, Nicole throws oil lamp on it, setting it alight. It Touches in terror. As out of nowhere, some guy jumps Mo in the on room uh, on fire room. The stuff then envelops him, killing him as the room burns, filling up the what the fuck of that? What the? This movie is so fucking bad. I can't even fucking read what I wrote. I mean, <clears throat> anyway, point being, the room starts to fill up with on fire stuff as they manage drowned under the stuff. Uh, note. The stuff is actually rolling around the room, 
going up the wall and on the ceiling. This was done using the same trick as Tina's death in Nightmare on Elm Street 1. In fact, it's the same fucking room. As it's supposed to be, we'll see. Uh, Moore steals a pickup truck and heads back to the factory. We're still on the back of the sealed 18-wheeler truck. Uh, Jason. Bullshit. He would be dead. This was hours later and it was the scorching sun. Therefore, that would have cooked him from inside. Also, suffocation much. Oh, God almighty. Mo follows the 18-wheeler to a quarry where they fill up on the stuff pumped directly from the ground. Here, Mo and Nicole foresee the, li the living, moving stuff being sucked up from the earth. And this stop motion here is fucking awful. Mo changes into a stuff employee outfit he stole from the factory and steals an 18-wheeler. Not before sen sending Nicole off the pickup truck and planting C4 all around the quarry. Handily, Mo just happens to steal the 18-wheeler with Jason in it with a small amount of this stuff because of course there is. I mean, there's six trucks all being filled up and he steals the one truck not only with Jason in it but with the smallest amount of fucking stuff in it ever. Lazy fucking writing. God, this movie. After he steals a truck, he blows the C4, sailing at the quarry. But wait a minute here. If it came from up from under the earth, wouldn't it just ooze up from under the bloody rubble with ease? Uh, no matter. There's no 20 minutes of this fucking movie left. Jason faces off against at this moment of the stuff, saying it has a psychic link to him. But he cannot be controlled because he's a hero. Uh, back at the pickup truck, Nicole is attacked by a stuff employee. Luckily, Mo runs over with uh, the truck as his shell of a body just explodes. And note, this exploding head was done by the same guy that blew up the Death Star in Star Wars. Mo then saves Jason last second just as the stuff was going for the kill. Mo drives on down the road into the night to a castle in the middle of nowhere America. Get in. Here we meet Colonel Spears, played by Paul Savini, of the Goodfathers fame, who frankly tells Mo he can kill him within seconds and no one would give two shits. He seems a little bit nutty here, think Alex Jones. A former army vet with his own private army and thinks the Russians are poisoning US water supply. Anyway, Mo tells him about this stuff and talks him into helping him stop the stuff production. Just like that, he believes him and heads out to the factory, attacking in broad daylight, because why wouldn't you have the cover of night? I mean, like I says, there's about 10 minutes left, like, fuck. They storm the factory, but all the, quote, stuffies run and hide, as inside the colonel finds all the stuffies have killed themselves in mass suicide. Okay then. Uh, Nicole, now disgusted by the set of this, takes Jason outside as the stuff oozes down stairwells after them. I love how everyone is supposed to be dead, yet the extras blink, stick out their tongue and move. Awful fucking editing and acting. With Nicole and Jason now trapped in a room with weird containers. What the fuck? The stuff slimed its way in. Uh, and this will be the shaving foam miniature stuff then, because boy does it show the effects look cheap, super and fucking posed awfulness. They escape just nick of time as the stuff explodes out the walls. And note, this stuff is the shaving foam mixed with fish guts and ground 
down fish bones and it stunk to the heavens as it was well over 100 celsius when filming this bloody thing. Uh, after this, all the actors that are covering the stuff all jumped inside the Hudson River to clean this shit off. I mean, what's worse, the uh, what was it? Oil, uh, fish guts and shaving foam heated up, mixed with whipped cream, or the Hudson Riven, r- r- River, or River, or oh, whatever, River! Oh, what am I? Just like that, the colonel decides to leave the stuff out in the open and flies his private jet to a private radio to warn America. Okay then. Landing in Atlanta, a whole fleet of taxis await the colonel and his men. And just how fucking rich is this guy? He has three private jets, a castle, his own army, and three radio stations. Arriving at the radio station, does his army take over, causing panic in the streets and inside the bloody building. In the station, Nicole writes up what exactly to say, but wasn't happy. She writes the truth and tries to get her to change it to bend it to suit his needs. As out of nowhere, in runs Chocolate Chip Charlie, who barges past the army. In the radio booth, demanded to speak to Mo. And then he wants in on his smear job. Everyone except the colonel is thrilled. He isn't sure about Charlie, but they think he's being a racist. Even after, Mo points out he's never heard from the FBI. And also, how the fuck did Charlie know what exactly he was? I mean, hmm. Mo talks the colonel into letting Charlie talk. Nicole takes Charlie next door to talk to her as Charlie's mouth splits open and out pops the stuff. And the stuff tongue bit was actually the director's hand in some sort of weird foam rubber tongue thing. And there's something like six or seven heads made of um, Garrett Morris and blah, 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 blah. Anyway, what I don't get here, if Charlie was controlled by this stuff all along, why did he, he agree to help Mo? Talk about Halloween 3 ending much. With Charlie's body exploded and the room started to fill with the stuff, Nicole and now Jason, who get in there for some reason, is now trapped. So Mo smashes the soundproof glass and electrocutes the stuff, blob setting a light. Now free and safe, Nicole, Jason and Mo go on air to warn the American people. This works. So you're trying to tell me that people actually took this off-the-wall radio broadcast from a bug nuts conspiracy theory seriously? So much so people are actually burning piles of the stuff in the streets. And I thought the stuff controlled you from the inside and had a psychic mind control over you. But no, because apparently some people are actually going as far as blowing up the fucking drive throughs and a factory. Okay, movie, no! You're supposed to believe that most of people controlled by the stuff would let it be destroyed. Also, the stuffies all killed themselves all at the same fucking time. Also, the Earth made the stuff to kill mankind. No! Just no! I am not standing for this. This movie's fucking awful. It's getting a point knocked off it just for that ending itself. Anyway, Mo returns to the stuff bigwig, who isn't in jail for some reasons. He tells Mo, uh, you may have stopped it once, but there's dozens more mines, and they'll come up with a new product called The Taste, which is only 12% of the stuff mixed with ice cream. Therefore, what control the human populace so bloody well fast. Mo brings out Jason, who force-feeds them uh, at gunpoint fucking vast quantities of the stuff. And how the hell did get handled on this stuff wasn't it all destroyed? Hours later, the bigwigs are now hooked as the cops show up. Later at night, the stuff junkies dig out a secret stash of the stuff and dig in as credits roll. 
So, that was the stuff. I got a lot of Halloween 3 and they live from this. Except it's not anywhere near as clever or as funny as they two are. This doesn't make a lick of fucking sense. It jumps all over the place. The editing will make your head spin. It's so fucking bad. The effects are terrible. The acting is awful. And this isn't fun to watch. You think some sort of B-movie trash movie like this would be funny? No, this is pathetic. Unless you're stoned out of your fucking head or in all the coke the world actually produces, then this will not be enjoyable. In fact, I think Larry Cohen was actually on enough coke to kill a small donkey with when writing this fucking piece of trash. I'm going to give this thing a woefully pathetic 2 out of 10. Still, come back next week as I dig up Chud 2, Bud the Chud. Then, the following week is Return of the Killer Tomatoes. And the last one on my list is a mystery movie, which if you're quick, you can actually still vote for. You still have two days as of this release. April is Alien, May is Star Wars Pickles, June is Batman, and July is Piranha. So don't forget to like, share, comment, and subscribe. Also follow me on Twitter at Here's Johnny's Pod, or email me my suggestions to Here's Johnny's Reviews at gmail.com. Check out my other horror f- franchise podcast of House, Hellraiser, Underworld, Resident Evil, and more. Also my solo podcast of They Live, Nightmare on Street 3, Elvira, and many, many more. A bye. And remember, I watch these movies so you don't have to.